everybody. This is the Wild Ass Podcast, and I am your host, Wild Ass Craig. This is episode 35, and in this episode, I get to introduce all of you to Tim Dickerson. Out of Salem, Oregon, he reached out to me back in February of this year regarding the Hokahe Motorcycle Challenge, fundraising, and general questions just preparing for such a big event. In getting to know Tim, he seemed to be on the right track early on, so I asked, hey, why don't we just get you on the show? So, Tim... Welcome to the show. Thank you, Craig. It's an honor to be here. It's an honor to have you. It was really cool when you first reached out. I don't remember if this is as clear in your memory, but I am always flattered when people reach out to me to talk about the show and to find out that I have listeners. It's so cool. So thank you for reaching out and making us connect. Oh, absolutely. And I've learned a lot from your show for Hokahe Wise and hearing about the people that have come before me in the Hokahe and are continuing still today to do it. Yeah, it's been cool. And and I think that was part of the very first conversation we had. I think you reached out and then there was a couple days of bouncing back and forth trying to get in touch. And you're like, yeah, you're so slow at responding. By the time you called me, I've gotten all the answers by just listening to your show. <laughs> <laughs> something like that. <laughs> was it wasn't quite like that, but something along those lines. <laughs> so this, I'm going to assume, is this your first podcast? You've been on one before? For the most part, I, I was invited uh, to pop on live for a hangout on the V-Twin Life with Denver Woods. I was only on for, I don't know, about 10, 15 minutes because I was like, kind of in between. He's like, hey, you want to jump on? I was like, oh, well, sure. All right, let's do it. <laughs> Never what? done this before, but let's go. How long ago was that? I'd say about two, three weeks ago, something along those lines. Okay, well, then that's me confessing then because I am about a month behind on my podcast listening. I'm that guy yeah. that listens to them chronologically, so I right. haven't heard yours yet. So my apologies. I didn't know you'd been on a on a podcast before. Look at that. You have no reason to be nervous now. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't one of his mild post podcasts. It was just kind of the jumping on live and you know hang out and BS on the on YouTube kind of thing. So it wasn't a mild post, but he did say after that, like, hey, we got to get you on a mild post. I'm like, okay, great, yeah, whatever. I'm easy. <laughs> easy. Other than just getting our schedules put together, you're out on the West Coast, Salem, Oregon, I believe, is right? That's what I... Uh, yeah, just north of there, yeah. So just north of Salem, Denver's in Seattle. That's a little joke we always have going on. So yes, Babyface Woods out of Seattle. You saw that, you, that, you know how he got the Babyface name, right? Uh, no. He did but a... But I'm extremely curious. Yeah, he did a fundraiser, his Monsters Over Mountains, and... Part of the oh, deal when he was, shaved his beard. Yeah. Yeah, he looked like a yeah. baby face. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It was a huge difference. <laughs> so Some anyway, people shave their facial hair, and it's just like, yeah, okay, yeah, all right. And then he did. It's like, holy crap, the a whole different guy. <laughs> that was hilarious. We got to get you to do that if we raise enough money, because you're about whoa, as bearded whoa, whoa. as he was. Maybe we can get your wife on board, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, it's funny. After that happened, after that happened, I was kind of, like poking fun, you know, with my wife talking about it. I was like, I can't believe he shaved his beard, you know, it's crazy. And and she goes, what, you wouldn't do it, you know, for a lot, you know, a little bit of chunk of change for a fundraiser? I'm like, nope. <laughs> nope. Beard's not going away. <laughs> well, we have found the line then for Tim that he will not shave his beard for any amount of money. So that's a big, that's a big statement. Maybe, uh, maybe somebody's going to challenge you on that. I, I anticipated, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> so you talk a little bit about your wife. She sounds pretty cool. Tell us about your family. My family 
is six kids. That's right. Six kids and my wife. We are a combined household. So she came with three. I came with two. And then we had one. So we've got quite the Brady Bunch going. And uh, she and I had our first ride together, actually in Vegas, the weekend that we got married. I've been riding for about 15 years. And I was in between bikes, but she and I flew down to Vegas and, you know, just have a weekend in Vegas kind of thing. And I said, well, hey, why don't we go rent a Harley? And the only time she had ridden before was on, you know, dirt bikes and she had some bad experiences and wasn't, wasn't too fond of the idea, but she was kind of hesitant, but eventually said, okay, she's, you know, we're in Vegas. Why not? You know? And so that was her first ride. And we ended up, you know, we ended up getting married. There was no plan to do it we were stone cold sober you know that's always a question (laughs) and um we ended up getting married that weekend in vegas and the following weekend COVID hit (laughs) and you know everything shut down so had we been you know a few days later or the following weekend you know who knows if we would have been married or not it was you know the timeline of things and it all worked out but our kids ranged from uh just under two she turns two in a couple weeks and our oldest is 12. That's crazy. That's such a cool story. Cause yes, you answered all of my questions before I even asked them <laughs> regarding getting married <laughs> in Vegas. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was a great story too. And you know, for, for me, it, it means a lot the way this all transpired because you know, motorcycles are a big part of my life and we were down in, we we're down in Vegas. We we're at treasure Island Okay, we were wandering around, checking out gift shops, gambling a little bit here and there. And uh, we went into Treasure Island. There was one particular gift shop we went into, and she was we we're just perusing what was on the shelves, you know. And she happened to see this little this little jewelry stand thing on the counter. She's checking out rings or whatnot, and she's like, "Oh man, that one's really pretty. It was just like black gold with uh, like a, like a purple gem in it. Favorite color is purple." And she's like, "That's really pretty, you know." Oh yeah. That, yeah, it really is. And so we we're done in the gift shop and she's like, all right, I'm going to go hit the restroom and then I'm going to find a machine. So I was like, all right, yeah, I'll catch up with you here in a second. So I bumped back into the gift shop and I go buy that ring that she was looking at and I, and I just stuff it in my vest pocket and you know, I'm saving it for later, you know? So later that night we decided, Hey, let's go, let's go ride the strip. And you know, I I think it would be excellent, you know. We got all the lights going, you know, just cruising down the strip. And uh, so we hop on the bike. We were staying at uh, Excalibur. So, you know, if you've ever been to Vegas, you know that, you know, Excalibur's damn near on the end, yep. right? So you yep. got pretty much the whole strip to ride. And we got to around, what was it? I don't know, the Bellagio, somewhere somewhere around there at that point. She was on, she was on, on the passenger. We were riding in motion down the strip i reach in my pocket i pull out the ring and kind of do like one of those quarter turns when you're looking at your passenger and uh you know i asked her to marry me and she she was you know without any hesitation (laughs) yes (laughs) (laughs) and uh, that was that was pretty awesome we were on our way to the uh the bonanza the big big biggest gift shop in the world or whatever they call themselves and we stopped there and she was just still all giddy and in, you know, in awe of what just happened. And I was making some phone calls. Now, a little backstory on that, these, these phone calls that I was making, the whole time that we were going down there, 
And while we were there, people people were joking, you know, our friends, family or whatever. Now, don't go down there and get married, you know. And, <laughs> you know, oh, yeah, you guys are going down there just to get married, huh? Right, yeah. So leading up to this, you know, we'd see a chapel and be like, hey, we could just go pop in there and go get married, you know. So it was kind of this ongoing joke, right? So when I proposed, and now, mind you, I, I had no plans on proposing. This was all just kind of off the cuff. We were sober. Like, every, it was just crazy impulse stuff going on right here, right? Oh. Yep. And uh, so I proposed to her. We got to Bonanza, right? And typical loco fashion, right? I was just like, hmm, I'm going to make some phone calls. And it was about 1030 at this point, 1030 at night. And making these phone calls to all these different chapels, trying to find one that's open. So eventually, I I get in touch with Chapel of the Bells. They they say, hey, we close at 11. But if you wanted to go down to the marriage bureau right now and go get your license, we'll stay open for you. And you guys can get married tonight. And I was just like, oh, shoot. Okay, well, let me call you right back. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I boogie in the gift shop. And, you know, I pitch it to my wife, Kayla, and I was like, hey, you just, just want to go get married right now? And she kind of was like, um, <laughs> what? I said, yeah, look, I, I found a chapel. They're going to stay open late for us. You know, if you want to, you don't have to. But if you want to, we can have a Vegas wedding right here, right now, tonight. And she goes, uh, my mom's going to kill me. But, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> so we boogied on down to the marriage bureau. And, you know, only in Vegas, okay, only in Vegas can you find a government office that is open until, like, midnight. Yeah, that, no isn't kidding. that crazy? That is. Yeah. So we, we go down the, the marriage bureau, and, you know, there, there's, there's homeless everywhere. And my dad was with us on this weekend. So we're, we're renting these bikes. We got, we, we got these people all over the place downtown, and we're just like, ah. I'm not sure we should all go in. Somebody needed to watch the bikes, you know? So my dad stayed out, watched the bikes. We went in, got our, got our stuff and, uh, came out and hit the, hit the chapel. And it was your atypical chapel Vegas wedding. It was quick. And, and uh, you know, it's like, it's like what you see in, you know, Vegas movies. And I think there was a scene in the hangover, you know, where they, where they showed you know, the different uh, Vegas wedding. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was just like that. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> and, yeah. And it was pretty awesome. We we couldn't have been happier. And it just all worked out, you know. And so we went after that. We partied, hopped on the plane. And the before and after pictures, let me tell you what. You know, we, we took, a, you know, like a selfie on the plane on the way down there. And we're all spunky, happy, excited for Vegas. Let's go. And you know, <laughs> the picture that is... Uh, on the plane headed home is, is quite different. It was <laughs> Vegas ate us alive. <laughs> I'm thinking before wedding pictures and now married pictures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, it was, it was pretty epic. It was awesome. That's funny. Cause that's where I thought you were going with that. Oh, that's a great no, story. I, didn't, so I never even, never even thought about it that way, to be honest with you. <laughs> how, how long ago was that? That was, um, Oh, 2020. Never mind. You said right before, right at the start of COVID. So yeah, three years yeah. ago, how long were you together before that? Less than a year. Oh, dang. Yeah. Just knew yeah it, worked. So it, was, it was pretty quick. Yeah. 
That's awesome. Yeah, it was uh, it was happening, and you know, it, it was fun. I love her to death. She's she's you know not only the best partner, but you know the best writing partner. As as far as writing partners are concerned, she she is a total badass. Which you is know. cool because, like you said, she had a bad experience younger, bad experiences, mm-hmm. which will oftentimes ruin us to carry passengers. So you yep. evidently treated her well in Vegas, well enough to get married, but now now she enjoys writing, which is awesome. Oh yeah, and and not just any kind of writing, you know. It you know she enjoys the long distance writing. You know, we were talking about we were invited out to Georgia for the Hoka Hey picnic out at. Uh, Stephen Don Davis, yep. Davis's place out in Georgia, and she was like, "Yeah, let's go." <laughs> and we we weren't able to make it out with scheduling and all that with uh, you know babysitters, etc. But she's without any hesitation on the long ride, and I love it. That's cool. So you're you guys actually did a run. You did the taco run, didn't you? No, we didn't do the taco run. We went to Rendezvous out in Evil Nest, and that was that was fantastic. Prior to that, we went out to Phoenix to see some of her family the year prior and that trip let me tell you her longest ride up until that trip was like 200 miles in a day and the first day of that trip we went from home just north of salem all the way down to los angeles in redland which is a thousand and twelve miles that day is what we did that's crazy and uh, oh yeah i i pitched it to her you know i said hey why don't we why don't we do a saddle store and you know, just jumpstart the trip, get some miles under our belt, and just get down in that area so that way we can have a little bit more fun while we're there, you know? And uh, we're headed to Phoenix, but the, you know, she was kind of like, yeah, all right, cool. And in my head, like, longest ride was only 200 miles out there. I don't know if you're going to make it, but all right, you say, let's do it. So let's do it. You know, here's the benefit of the doubt. And boy, did she not disappoint. Like I said, best riding partner I've ever had. She's fantastic. That's awesome. So her limited riding experience, that's how we should say that, uh, led her to mm-hmm. you, and now you got her riding long distance, but where did it start for you? Let's reverse the clock a long ways. Well, long ways, yeah. I was never into dirt bikes. I, I was never into dirt bikes or crotch rockets or anything. My my riding experience went straight to cruisers. I mean, ult- ultimately, it went straight to Harley, but you know, at the time... I was a 19, 18, 19 year old kid and wasn't able to really afford a Harley at that point. So <laughs> I started off on a Kawasaki Vulcan 500, little 500 CC thing. And I was overseas, I was in the military. I went overseas uh, three times. And on one of those trips, I came home and kind of got a wild hair and said, I want to ride a motorcycle. I'm going to figure out how to do all this. And got my my endorsement did one of the the you know state ma- endorsed mandated classes and you know figured out how to ride a motorcycle because i had no idea and then i was like sweet this is awesome you know and went down to a local shop actually i sent you a picture from that same shop of wild ass feet pads there but uh, anyway i got i got my first bike from that shop the kawasaki and it was a little tiny thing, but man, I tell you what, I was so proud of myself. I was like, you know, on cloud nine, I'm like, yeah, I'm on a motorcycle. I did it. This is awesome. A young kid. And, you know, I just started riding everywhere. 
and you know i did my my first motorcycle rally the hell's canyon motorcycle rally it's uh out in baker city oregon and i think my first one i think that would have been 08 so i've been 19 maybe 20 years old and it, it just everything that i did at that time motorcycle related i just fell more in love with them and you know the rally was a eye-opening experience for me just seeing all the different motorcycles and the different you know people and and you know things that you know aftermarket products you can buy to make the motorcycle yours you know just all of these different things and long distance riding was not even in my playbook even remotely close to my playbook at that time and you know a long ride for me was like 150 miles <laughs> you know on a little 500 cc bike i was like Whoa. I'm toasted, <laughs> but you know, moving forward, moving forward, I, you know, got into, got my first Harley. It was a Sportster, a 2003 Sportster, with little 18 inch ape hangers on it. it was, I love that bike. And, you know, I bombed all over the, all over the place on that. Still, you know, long distance riding was not in my playbook. And then eventually I just went full send and went from a Sportster to a street glide. And like yeah no i need i need bigger i need you know more luggage i need all of all of the things that touring bikes have to offer and went to an 09 street glide and that was when i did pretty much my first long-ish distance my mom was living down in the bay area at the time you know san jose and i decided you know wild hair i'm gonna go see my mom you know so i hopped on the bike went down and met her in san francisco and we you know had lunch and and at the time, I was in a motorcycle club, and I got a friend of mine who was over in Reno for Street Vibration. And so, a guy called me up while I was, you know, in San Francisco with my mom visiting, and he said, "Hey, I'm over in Reno right now. Are you gonna come over here?" I was kind of like, uh, "Sure, I guess." <laughs> so I, you know, finished up my visit with mom, and I hopped on the bike rode through Yosemite, which was absolutely epic, by the way. That's what I hear. And, oh, man, it, it is a fantastic ride, and it's so, so beautiful. I, I can't wait to get Kayla down there on the bike. That's in our near future plan, so that's going to be a fun trip. But hopped through Yosemite and dropped down into Reno, you know, partied hardy and, and headed back home eventually after that. But... That was that was pretty much my first long distance ish ride, or the longest ride to me at the time. But the saddle store that my wife and I did, that I was just telling you about a few minutes ago, that was pretty much what kind of kicked off the long distance thing for me as it is now, in terms of the hook of hay. And for for me, it, you know, challenges are a thing. I, I I enjoy challenging myself and you know becoming better you know whether that's improving a skill or gaining new skills or you know new experiences so on and so forth and with that saddle sore it was you know at that time i was like well shoot you know i don't know if we can pull this off but we're gonna give it a go and we pulled it off and i the thought to myself was okay well what's next (laughs) the next challenge and and you know I, i saw some little snippets on facebook of the hoka hay and I remember seeing the Hokahe a couple years prior and, you know, long distance not really being in my ballpark at the time thinking, oh, man, that's crazy. There's no way. <laughs> 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 but, 
but after you know the saddle sore, I got a little bit more serious about looking into it and you know reading the description and you know looking looking at the rules. And like, okay, this is doable. It'd be challenging, but you know, I mean that's the reason why it's called a challenge. So I went ahead and started working on getting everything lined up to sign up, and uh, you know saw that we had to pick a charity, and I I had been wanting to do a fundraiser or poker run or something along those lines for the wildland firefighter foundation for years. And I was, you know, in the motorcycle community, I was told, you know, well, you can't, you can't do a fundraiser for a fundraiser or a poker run or anything unless you're like backed by a group. Oh, okay. Which, you know, come to find out completely wrong, but absolutely. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I was just kind of pitching it to the, you know, different groups or you know, folks that I was involved with at the time and nobody would back it. Nobody wanted to, you know, they were like, oh yeah, that sounds like, that sounds great. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, and, right? uh, and they just never hear anything about it. I'm like, you know what? You know, screw you guys. This this ain't, this isn't right. So, you know, enter the hook of hay and now I have kind of the medium, if you will, to do the fundraiser like like I had wanted to. And the Wildland Firefighter Foundation folks, they're fantastic. They're absolutely fantastic mission. And when Kayla and I went out, went down to Rendezvous, we went through Boise, which is where their headquarters is. So we made a pit stop. You know, we went through Boise and, and stopped and, and visited with them. We planned it out in advance. Everybody was available to talk to and meet. It, it was it was a really good trip. Their headquarters is incredible. It's there's there's it's almost like a museum of just fire wildland fire history. It's beautiful. Part of it's designed like a lookout, you know, that you would find in the forest, and you get to see a lot of a lot of cool cool features of of wildland fire and the, and its culture. So it's all there in Boise. And it's cool because then they get to meet you and yep. see what you're all about, and it's nice to try to present these things face to face instead of through an email so they can actually oh, absolutely. kind of get the, the feel of your passion behind it. Oh, absolutely. And, and I had already talked to Bert Miner, the, the director there. I had already talked to him about doing the Hoka Hay and picking them as the charity. And he just got some random phone call from a guy that wants to raise money for his nonprofit organization. You know, so initially his response was like, uh, okay, uh, who, who are you? <laughs> you know, cause he, he didn't know me from Adam, right. but you know, I explained to him my history in wildland fire and, you know, and, and he just heard the passion that I had in my voice, you know, for both motorcycles and the wildland fire community. And he's, you know, he was convinced. He was like, okay, all right. Yeah, let's do this. So what we had discussed at that time was, you know, just a, you know, a partnership, like, Hey, you know, you guys already have the fundraising platform through your website. Is is there a way that you can set up a web page specifically for this this campaign, this fundraising campaign that I'm doing for the Hoka Hey? And he's like, Yeah, absolutely. We can totally set that up. So through our partnership, they were able to set up the the, the link that I share on Ride for the Families of the Fallen campaign that is, you know, links directly to all of the fundraising that I'm doing for uh, the Hook of Hay and the Wildland Firefighter 
foundation. So all of that is through that link. It's all tracked separately. So it makes it extremely easy. And I don't, you know, I, I don't have to go through, you know, like a GoFundMe or, you know, any of those other, you know, third party, you know, third party stuff. It's strictly between the organization. They, the money goes straight to them. So there's no like intermediary. I'm just, I'm just the talking head that, you know, says, Hey, donate to wildland firefighter foundation. You know, they're great. And it all, it all, it all works. It's, it's a really cool relationship that we've developed. It's cool to see when, when you want to work with somebody that wants to be worked with, how quickly things mm-hmm. can turn around and think, and things can happen. Absolutely. And, and I'm liking how, how things are moving forward. One thing you mentioned when you were talking there before the Hokahe comment was you rode with a club. And I remember yep. reading in your bio a story of your first club interaction. You really yep. should share that because I thought that was hilarious. Okay. Well, going back to kind of the Hell's Canyon motorcycle rally, my first rally back in 08, where I was, you know, basically introduced to the biker culture. I wasn't just riding a motorcycle anymore i was actually being introduced to the biker culture right i see all these patches everywhere and being an 18 18 year old kid i'm like all right cool i want the patches yeah do it (laughs) you know having no idea (laughs) about the world that i'm entering i get some motorcycle patches you know motorcycle themed patches at the rally at one of those patch booths or whatever and have them sewn on to you know, the vest that I was wearing at the time. And it, it was nothing, nothing too crazy or, you know, it was just simply an eagle and a couple flags and then a top and a bottom rocker that said, live to ride, ride to live, right? Cliche. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I'm thinking like, yeah, I've got patches now. This is awesome. <laughs> and... You know, 18, 19 year old kid, I didn't have any clue, but I rocked them. I, you know, I, I rode all over the place with those and was getting involved in different run, uh, you know, poker runs and, you know, this, that, and the other thing, fundraising runs for vets. And so this one particular time, there's a, there's a meetup at a rest area. And I think what, what that run was, was like a, um, an escort. I think, I think that was an escort run. But in any case, we so had, the, define an escort run for those that don't know. It's actually where um, they're es- like moving an officer or a police officer, right? Correct. Yeah, or or a soldier coming home from overseas who has deceased, you know, been killed in the line of uh, line of duty, so on and so forth. Unfortunately, I, I don't remember all the the details of that particular run, but I do remember very vividly the interaction that I had and. The rest area was a meetup spot for this run, and then we were we were supposed to. There were some other bikes escorting up until that point, and then we were gonna, you know, this group of bikes that were here were gonna take over from there and and continue on. And so I get there. There's already a bunch of bikes there, you know, different people, different patches, so on and so forth. And then this this group of bikes rolls in, you know, loud, proud, and fast. You know, and I'm just oh man, what are these guys? You know, and I'm just tootling around on my bike and you know trying to BS with people, talk with folks, and, and this guy comes up and he, he's like, 
he's a biker, you know, in my eyes at that time, you know, naive, naive, you know, 19 year old kid or whatnot at that point. And I, I'm just like, Oh my God, this guy is a biker, biker, you know? <laughs> and so he walks up to me, he goes, Hey, are, are those club patches or are you just playing dress up? <laughs> and and I, I, I look at him with wide eyes and I just kind of like, uh, they're, they're, they're not club patches. He's like, all right, so you're just playing dress up then, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and I look back at him again. I was just like, uh, uh, I guess. <laughs> he goes, all right. And he walked away. <laughs> That's so, so funny. And, you know, it, it was it was really interesting to me because at the time, you know, I, I didn't know who these cats were, but, you know, I, I saw a bunch of patches on his front. And as he walked away, I saw, you know, three three patches on his back. and you know, I I just remember seeing this little diamond on it on the on the front of his vest that you know said one percent. You know, and I'm just kind of like, what? What is that about one percent? What does that mean? And so, moving forward, I got done with that runner. I immediately went to a leather shop where I had become friends with the owners, and you know they were bikers. It was a biker leather shop, and and I I said, okay, this is what just happened. School me up explain to me what just happened to me you know right and so i learn about the world of motorcycle clubs and you know what that one percent patch meant what all of these different things mean and and three piece patches one piece patches you know all of the different stuff and i got an education in motorcycle clubs and it, it was quite intriguing to me and come to find out that you know that the the gentleman that had an interaction with me he, he was the president of that particular club in this area you know and uh it was very interesting and you know a month later after i started you know being around motorcycle clubs i i got introduced to him officially and you know know him to this day and know of him to this day did you remind so, him it, of this encounter i i did um he did not remember. <laughs> Wasn't a real big surprise, but. <laughs> no, not at all. Because, uh, I mean, I'm sure that, you know, that's the lifestyle and, you know, you're just another another dress up guy. And uh, yeah, he doesn't, he yeah, doesn't remember. Exactly. But it's funny that it made such an impact on you. Oh, yeah. I, I'll remember that for the rest of my life. And, you know, every time I every time I see this guy, it was, it was you know, one of those things that I remember. And and I actually got to ride his bike which was really amazing for me being kind of the first, the first man that like I had an interaction with from a club and, you know, getting to know him. Like I, I appreciated, you know, who he was and, you know, the, the love that he had for motorcycles and, and his clubs himself. But it, it was crazy. It was a nineties soft tail with a Kickstarter and a suicide ship. And we were at, the, the club that I was in, we were, we were at this event where it was just outside of Salem. It was just kind of like a biker games event, you know, every, you know, bite the hot dog, you know, do the serpentine through the cone, you know, slow race, that kind of stuff. And we were just kind of, you know, BS in between events or whatnot. And I was, you know, talking to him, he, he happened to be there. And I, oh, man, I, you know, that bike is so cool, man. How do you, like, how do you, how do you ride that? Tell me what it's like riding you know a suicide shifter and he's like well yeah i mean you just 
foot clutch and then you shift it with your hand and you know what you want to try it i was like are you serious <laughs> he goes, yeah yeah you want to try i was like yeah <laughs> so i hopped on his bike and i you know i rode it down the down the field that we were doing the bike games in and and back and it, it was pretty awesome and i i have I have plans on, on building something similar in the future. I always wondered on the foot clutch what that would be like stopping and taking off. Really, you just, you just for stopping, it's easiest just to put it in neutral. Sure. There's a lot of shifting involved, a lot more than with a hand clutch. Yeah. It, you just pop it in neutral and then come to your stop. But yeah, getting going, <laughs> getting going takes some getting used to. It, it is It is significantly different than a hand clutch, but... You know, my, my first time, I mean, we were in a field, right? So it wasn't like it had real good traction on, on the asphalt. And, you know, I, I let the clutch out, you know, the tire kind of kicked out. And, you know, off I went real quick. But, yeah, it, it takes some getting used to. I, I'm, I didn't take the time to, you know, get fully accustomed to it. But I got a little taste and, and I liked it quite a bit. Yeah, having a, a little bit of a forgiving riding surface would certainly help, wouldn't it? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> if you were to fall, it was <laughs> whatever. I, I'd be more worried about him being worried about his bike than me falling. So the first name that you had, you you go by Loco now. What was the? Mm-hmm. Tell us the story about the first name. Yeah, uh, yeah. That that first name was Klingon, and the club that I was around. So back up to when I got my education about motorcycle clubs to from the owner of the biker leather store, I, I said, teach me, right? And, you know, there was only so much he could say, really. You know, a lot of people, you know, in terms of motorcycle clubs, you know, you can research them on the internet, you can, you know, watch TV shows about them, you know, whatever. But if you really want to know about motorcycle clubs, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, you got, you got to be around them. You, you got to experience them because, you know, you can watch shows and, you know, documentaries and all that. But, you know, it, it's not, I won't say it's inaccurate because, you know, because there are documentaries. But, Wait, so, you know, the, so Sons the, of Anarchy is not real? <laughs> no, <laughs> Sons of Anarchy is, is very not real. Very, very fake. Um, however, entertaining. Sorry, but, I didn't mean to interrupt your story. I was just caught off guard. I'm so floored that that story, that show is not real. <laughs> Are you? Are you really? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's got to be around motorcycle clubs, you know, to be able to have, you know, a full, full knowledge, full opinion, you know, all of that, just, just as anything else. You know, some people just in general don't, don't think, you know, think bikers are delinquents. Are we? Yeah, probably. But, you know, we're good people. And, he decided he was just going to take me around. He was going to take me around and, and meet a few of the different clubs that were in our area. And, you know, I, I met folks from one piece patch clubs to three piece patch clubs, um, 1% clubs. I met a bunch of different folks and there was finally one club that I, I interacted with. Well, um, was clubbing up of all veterans and, um, being a vet myself at the time, I was like, yeah, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hang around these guys, and and thus I became a hang around, which is kind of the first step in in motorcycle club, you know, a, a a journey, you know, a journey into a motorcycle club is just you know meeting them and becoming a hang around, getting to know people, and you know, once I became a hang around for this club, I just I never 
I never left. I was there every meeting, every event, you know, I was there hundred percent. And one of the guys came up to me one day. I remember very vividly again, you know, it, you know, Hey, come here. He goes, Tim, come here. I was like, all right. So I come here, come up to him and he goes, I'm going to start calling you Klingon. <laughs> I was like, uh, why? <laughs> he was like, you're not leaving. We're trying to run you off, but you're not leaving. (laughs) (laughs) You know, because at that point I was a 20 year old kid and I was trying to make a point, you know, I was trying to make a point like, Hey, I want to be a part. I want to be a member in this club. And, you know, I'm showing you that I'm sticking around and it worked. You know, I got my name and I was invited to prospect and, you know, showed them that, you know, I was a damn fine prospect. And at the time I was, you know, the rules were that, I, you know, no, nobody can be a member unless they're 21. And, you know, I got patched in four days prior to my 21st birthday. <laughs> wow. Something along those lines. That's but, crazy. um, yeah. So, so I how was, did you uh, get the name Kling or uh, go from the name Klingon rather? How did you get the name Loco? So moving forward. Um, that was, you know, motorcycle club, it was a different time in my life. You know, I, I had taken a break from bikes for a little while and coming back into motorcycles and, you know, I running with a different crowd, decided that I was going to, you know, relinquish the name Klingon. Not that anybody wants it, but, you know, <laughs> I, uh, decided Somebody that might. I was, yeah, maybe, Some Trekkie got uh, a biker. <laughs> But I, you know, I just decided, you know, I want to start fresh. I just want to forego that name. You know, I'm running with different folks and, you know, I don't want to have any part of, you know, that particular lifestyle anymore. And I decided I'm not going to go back. So I'm just waiting, you know, I was just waiting for the new name, you know, whether it came from, you know, somebody in the motorcycle community, someone else, didn't, didn't really matter. I was just waiting. And, because you don't name yourself, right? Nobody names themselves right. um, in terms of a road name. But I was, and it just happened this year. I think back in like January, January or February, I went to, I, was, I ride to work, you know, damn near every day. You know, I ride damn near every day. And rain, shine, you know, cold temperatures, doesn't matter. I am at work. These guys that I work with, you know, they know I ride and, you know, rode in that morning. It was just, it was nice morning, no big deal, dry. And, but a storm had moved in during, during the workday and it had turned into a monsoon. And we've got, we've got this hill on the interstate over here that will go up and then drop into Salem, into the valley where Salem's at. And I was going up that hill and I didn't know it at the time, but I, I mean, I was just bumming in the rain trying to, you know, just get home. And I had, I had passed one of my coworkers. He's a Spanish speaking guy. So he's got a real heavy accent. Sure. And, you know, I, I, I just passed him like he was standing still, you know, I was gone and I get to work the next day and he, he goes, man, you, you passed me yesterday on the highway, man. You, you crazy. I'm going to start calling you local writer. And I was like, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> there it is. And I, he, he started calling me loco. 
And uh, and I was just like, you know what? I like that, dude. You know, can I, I'm just gonna, can, you know, can, I'm just gonna use that. You good with that? And he's, yeah, whatever, man. <laughs> so that's awesome. Well, yeah, it was just you know a simple, and I I thought it was pretty fitting for you know the conditions that I ride in for the amount that I ride compared to you know you know most people long distance riding folks excluded from that category. But I I think we're I think we're all a little loco. You know, a uh, hundred thousand miles in a in a hundred days, Hopper's nuts, man. <laughs> That's for sure. Like, <laughs> it I would was, agree it, with you that. Know, yeah, and we're, the the nice thing about the LDR community is that you know we're we're all doing it for good causes. You know, every, almost every single one of these you know long distance rides are are for charity in in some way, shape, or form, and and I love that. You kind of talked about you know you found the Hokahe it called to you, but my question is always why? Why do you want to do the Hokahe? Why do the Hokahe? For for me it's the you know, the the medium in which I raise money for the Wildland Firefighter Foundation. But you know, seeing the challenge that is the Hokahe initially, I was you know, initially I was like, Yeah, yeah, I I wanna try that, you know? I wanna I wanna see I wanna see if I can if I can do that, you know, hearing about, hearing about these stories of, you know, folks, you know, going down, uh, you know, some of them, you know, unfortunately, you know, pass and it's terrible, but you know, the ones that, you know, go down, get hurt, get back on their bike and continue are, are just total badasses, you know, hearing the stories about that. And I, you know, it's just like, you know, I want to, I want to see if I can, I want to see if I can do that, you know? And compete if you will with some of the best riders in the world and having having met some of them at rendezvous like it's a big difference in opinion now for me whereas before it was just you know yeah all right i want to do that challenging i think i can do that you know having learned everything that i have up until this point it's now there's a certain kind of reverence to it now for me where you know hoka hey means a lot more than just the name of a challenge or you know it's a good day to ride to me it, it it there's more family to it um having met you know a bunch of the folks you know i how family oriented how friendly and welcoming everybody is it, it's it's community you know it's a, it's a family oriented community and you know i just even not having finished or attempted yet the Hokahe, you know, I feel connected, you know, just by my limited experience and meeting everybody that I have. Why I want to do it to answer that question is, you know, it's part of the community that I aspire to be part of. And I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to try my damnedest and I'm going to learn a lot, both, you know, between now and the start and during, I, I mean, I'm under no illusions that it's going to be easy and let's see what I, see what I can do, see what I'm made of, you know, and raise money for a great charity in the process. Do you have any goals in line or in conjunction with the okay? Hey? Finish. <laughs> That's a solid goal. I mean, it really is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I've got, I've got no aspirations to be first or, or you know, even be even be an elite finisher i i don't you know if it happens awesome cool but 
you know, I'm, I'm staying humble, you know, and just reminding myself like, Hey, you know, this is more challenging than you ever attempted anything before. So you just, you know, mind your P's and Q's, focus on, focus on writing day to day and, you know, focus on getting home. And I've got, um, I've got some plans for, for next year and not just the Hoka Hay in general, but, you know, everything leading up to and, and after even it, it should be, it should be an epic year, you know, with everything that everything involved. Well, it will be for sure. And I can't wait to follow it. I see we're getting very down there on time. Was there anything so, you wanted to talk about that we didn't? Um, anything else that I want to talk about? I think we touched on a lot of it. I'm just really honored to be, you know, welcomed into the long distance writing community. Everybody's everybody's been really helpful in answering questions. You know, you included Craig, and uh, you know, I'm I'm really thankful to have met the folks that I met, and you know, it everybody's everybody's kind of iconic. They all have their own, their own thing, you know, for example, when we went down to rendezvous, you know, they, we, we stopped at the brewery, you know, for the meet and greet and, and met up with, uh, Valerie Stewart and, and Craig, uh, Thule, not Johnson, <laughs> um, <laughs> and met up with them and met them for the first time. And we, we were actually staying with them down there at the, the house that they rented. and you know, just completely welcoming, totally awesome people. They're also from Oregon. So it, it was really nice just to, you know, have some, you know, friends from, you know, the home state and, uh, and come to find out, you know, when we, when we got there and we were just kind of BS and after a long day of riding, you know, we come to find out Riot was going to stay there at the same house and Shell also was going to be there and not, not Paco. Uh, Larry. Yeah. Um, so, you know, these, these names that, that I'm hearing, I'm, I know, I'm like, no kidding. You know, we didn't get to meet them, not, not only meet them, but, you know, stay in the same house, be able to BS. And, right. You know, it, I was, I was, I was really excited. And so we're, we get done with the meet and greet and we decided, okay, well, let's roll into town, you know, go to the, go to the main event, you know, and see what, see what's happening there. It was, you know, already getting dark at that point. And, uh, so we roll into town and we, we see a bunch of bikes in the parking lot. I'm like, okay, cool. So we roll in and you know, what I was saying about everybody's kind of got their, got their thing, you know, I see Twister's bike and I know it's Twister's bike because of, you know, her windshield and, and then I see Riot's bike and then right behind there, I see them and I, I, I like lean back to my wife. I, I'm like, babe, there's, there's Riot. And the twister, and then, oh, there's Hopper right there too. Holy crap! You know, it was really cool, and you know, I, I, I don't know. I was excited. I felt like a little kid, you know, just excited to see you know role models and, and moving forward and meeting them, getting to know them. It, it's been it's been awesome, you know. And like I said, just the the community is so welcoming, and and I'm really thankful for that. And you know, I I hope. At some, you know, someday there'll, there'll be, you know, some, you know, some other rookie, you know, that, you know, I'll be able to welcome into it too and just, you know, kind of pass it on and keep the spirit alive. And, uh, I'm all about it. Yeah, that's how it works. And, brings... and eventually, eventually meet you too, Greg. Oh, we'll connect <laughs> somewhere for sure. 
at some point at some time you're a busy man we'll uh we'll connect somewhere for sure the uh that leads us to my favorite part of the show where we get the questions the five questions i know you're familiar with them and if you've mm-hmm. listened to all the shows which i think you have you will probably have prepared answers to all of them but i'll still catch you off guard how's that that sounds great i'm, I'm looking forward to it i haven't thought about them and potential answers but let's see what you got <laughs> now i'm gonna put you on the spot so again of course i've had to add questions because that's what i found early on was people had planned answers and i didn't want that so now they're just random i put them all in a reel and actually when we connected right away this morning that's what i was doing was randomizing the questions and picking the five out of the 20 so here is question number one what do you believe is true even though you can't prove it I feel like there's always somebody watching out for us, um, you know, and it's not even, not even a religious thing, you know, you know, it's somebody, something, um, you know, I, me personally, I'm not, I'm not a, really a religious man, but you know, I, I do refer occasionally to the motor God and, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, my, my take on, on the spirituality portion of things. Um, and just, you know, keeping an eye on us, you know, watching us on the road, you know, giving us lessons in, in hardship, uh, while we're on the road. Um, you know, road gremlins as they were, those are lessons, you know, you know, what not to do next time, or, you know, some things are just unavoidable and there's a lesson to be learned from it, you know, ride slower, get more light, you know, there's, all kinds of different things that can come and um, be taught by whomever's or whatever is, is watching over us. I can't prove it, you know, but there's something there. Fair enough. Question number two, what is at the top of your bucket list? Well, Craig, you're, you're the first person to hear it other than my wife. I want to get to the point where I can be part of the 100K club. And that is most certainly on my bucket list, at, right, at, right at the top. And I'm, I'm working towards making that the easiest that I can, I suppose. You know, just setting up, setting up my bike, you know, working out logistics of tracking and, you know, all of the different things. And it just consequently in, is, aligned with preparing the bike for the hooker hay, you know, and everything's going to, everything's going to line up hopefully. And I may be looking at an attempt at it uh, for 24. I not committed to it yet, but I am, I'm, I'm hoping for it. We'll see if I can get everything in line and ready to go for it. Well, good luck. Yeah. It'll, it'll group. Yep. And it's a lofty goal for sure. But like I said, I I like to challenge myself. (laughs) That's good. That leads me to question number three. So question number three, do you have a quote that you live your life by or that you think of often? Memento Mori. Memento Mori. And it basically is means remember death. And, you know, it sounds morbid, really, but. Moreover, it's, you know, similar to, you know, it's a good day to die, you know, in, in Hokahe, it's kind of, I don't know, I guess the Latin version, if you will, but 
prior to finding the Hoka Hay, I, I thought to myself and used Memento Mori. And at any time, we can leave this this earth. You know what I mean? At any time, we can we can pass away for any reason, whether it's you know walking and tripping, knocking our head, to just simple you know heart attack, you know whatever. So treat others in a way that you'd want to be treated and remembered and you know live your life honorably because you know love love your family because any time can be your last so that's something that i constantly try to remind myself you know just treat others kindly that's great question number four i don't know if you read books or deal with books or do any of that but question number four is what is the book or books that you have given most as a gift whoa um that's a curveball that's a curveball <laughs> i i don't know i mean i don't i don't really give books as gifts i mean i i bought my kids a harry potter book set one time so i guess Harry Potter, because <laughs> I, I just, you know, books are not something that I consider when thinking about giving somebody a gift. I don't think it's, you know. Yeah, fair enough. Your yeah, Harry Potter. <laughs> question number five and your final is, what is your favorite documentary or movie? Favorite documentary or movie. And not favorite of each, just, you know, whatever's your favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn. That's such a hard one. That's such a hard one. I don't know. I, I'm a big movie buff. I, I, you know, I like a lot of different movies. But, you know, if I, if I were to have, you know, classify it as a favorite, maybe one that I've watched the most, um, that would most certainly be Top Gun. The oh, first one. Sure. It, 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 you know, the acting is terrible, but it's a fantastic movie. <laughs> <laughs> you mean it's not real? What's that? You mean it's not real? That wasn't a documentary? I, I, again, just like Sons of Energy. It ain't real, Craig. Newsflash, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. So that's the five questions. Do you have any last final words or last parting words for the show for the listeners? I just thank you. Thank you for, for listening to this episode and listening to me, you know, talk and talk and talk and, you know, check out the uh, Ride for the Families of the Fallen Facebook page. Follow the campaign. If you feel like donating, donate. It's all for the Wildland Firefighter Foundation. The the Facebook page and the campaign itself is just the journey uh, leading up to the Hoka Hay and, and just the fundraising involved with that. And if anybody... You know, feels like reaching out, saying, hey, feel free. Tim Loco Dickerson on Facebook. Um, and that's pretty much, you know, the the gist of my social media. The rest of, you know, the Twitter and the YouTube and all that. I'm not super active on all that, but that's where uh, that's where you can find me. Cool. That's actually was my next question is where we can follow you. So Tim Loco Dickerson on Facebook. Also, I will, uh, in the show notes, I will post a link to your Facebook page and then also to your fundraiser page as well. So that way you don't have to, folks, you don't have to listen and remember that. You can actually just scroll down into the show notes and find them there. So we'll do that for sure. 
Folks, if you like what you're hearing, hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. You can follow the adventures on Facebook or Instagram by looking for The Real Wild Ass. Of course, I am Wild Ass Craig. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you again in a couple weeks. And of course, thank you, Tim, for your service to our country. Thank you for our freedoms, and especially thank you for coming on the show. Absolutely, and thank you, Craig.